Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan and David Woolman. It is 11.10 a.m. on a Monday, a sunny, at least, patch of the of the day in a week that is supposed to be anything but. Um, and, yes, we are here to, uh, as we have been for these past couple weeks, talk a little baseball and a little softball as the postseason continues to roll in both those sports. We are, I guess, what now, two rounds down in baseball and three rounds down in softball. So looking ahead to later on this week for the regional quarterfinal round for baseball and the regional semifinal round for softball. And we've still got a pretty healthy contingent of teams left in our coverage area. We have nine baseball teams and four softball teams. So quick hit a little bit of everybody. Just kind of uh, let you all know where things stand heading into the latest round of the postseason. We're going to start over in baseball, though, where we have, again, nine teams still standing within our coverage area and two districts in particular that have really kind of shined through the first uh, couple rounds of the postseason. That is District 66A and District 10-5A. Three teams from each district are still alive in the playoffs. Over in 6-6-A, you've got Capel, you got Marcus, and you got Plano. And then over in 10-5-A, you have the Colony, you have Lovejoy, and you have Prosper Rock Hills. So we can talk a little bit about those two districts to begin here, David. Um, you know, obviously looking back to, uh, you know, last week, one of the more anticipated series heading into that second round was Capel versus Jesuit, two teams that are both state-ranked, I believe even as high as are both in the top ten. Yes. What not? So, yeah, it's certainly a very high-profile series, a very overqualified second-round series, but one, nevertheless, that had to be played. And um, a nice little showing for the Capel Cowboys as they're headed to the regional quarterfinals after a two-game sweep of the state-ranked Rangers. So, um, yeah, David, um, what are what are just some takeaways from this series as Capel was able to punch its ticket to the third round? Well, first of all, you just got to start with their pitching. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you know, Capel, you know, was uh, had a big challenge coming into this series against. Uh, a Jesuit offense that scored 28 runs against Arlington in the by district round. So you're going to figure, you know, hey, how's how's their pitching staff stacked up against Jesuit's offense right there? But they're the the Cowboys offense, Cowboys pitching staff answered the bell, especially in the first game right there. Um, senior Will Rodman, um, <laughs> he just he just continues to dazzle. Um, four straight complete game shutout. Wow. Um, he, he, he didn't, he, he didn't, he didn't allow a walk. He, he struck out five, allowed just three hits. And he also got some really good play by his defense as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a scoreless game early on in the, in the game and in game one, uh, Thursday at Jesuit. And, um, one of the, the Jesuit players, he hits a single to right field, but Andrew Nestor, um, he, he, he gunned down a runner by a mile at home plate really? right there. So, you know, hits Bradley Castillo on target right there. Easy tag right there. keeps it scoreless. And then later in the game, uh, uh, Capel was up one to nothing. And then Rodman took a, took a shot off the leg right there. And it, you know, carried to their redirected to their shortstop, uh, TJ Pompey, who's committed to Texas tech. And all Pompey does is throw out the base runner first base on a really close place. So right place at the right time. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So, uh, Capel, you know, you know, they, 
you know, they have to start the series of Jesuit. They get the one, two to nothing right there. Um, Ryan Walker, you know, who, who's a pretty big factor in this series. He, you know, he started the scoring with a, with a single in the third inning. And then in game two, which uh, Capel rallied to one seven to four, um, he, he, he had two really big hits that got Capel back in this game. It was a game that Capel actually trailed three to nothing. And, he hits a he hits a two two run hit you know two run single in the two run single to get you know them within three to two, and then uh, later in the game he hits a solo home run. Mm-hmm. He said it was like the second home run he's ever hit. Wow! So um, he's more of like he said he's more of a singles and doubles kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So that gets it tied up at three right there. And one of the one of the most uh, interesting storylines you know out of this series right there is that Capel doesn't have its senior you know. Like likely district MVP and Chayton Krauss out there, he's out with an illness. So, um, in to replace him is uh, is uh, Andrew Schultz, and uh, all Andrew Schultz does is you know is produce the game winning hit, game winning hit in that game. He gets a bunt down, and then uh, Capel scores from third base right there. They go up four to three. It's part of a five run six inning right there as they rallied you know to go up seven to three, and uh, they won that game seven to four. So, um, you know, just, you know, huge, huge moments in this series by Capel. Um, and so that was huge for them to, you know, get, get, get out, uh, get out, get the sweep out in this, in the, in the, in the two games right there. That is now 10 wins in a row for Capel. So the Cowboys in a really good way. And I was curious. So when I saw just looking over just the body of work, the Jesuit had leading up to this game. So Capel scored five runs in the bottom of the sixth in game two to blow that one open. Yeah. That just speaks to the quality of that lineup when they get rolling. Jesuit had not given up five runs in a game since March 18th against Richardson Pierce, let alone five runs in a single inning. So uh, a nice little feather in the cap for Capel as they were able to put away the Rangers in just two games. Didn't even need to go out to Lake Dallas for that third game. No, no, no. But, um, so, yeah, looking ahead now, obviously uh, you get a matchup between two uh, pretty credentialed programs and Prosper and Capel. Prosper was able to book its its spot in the regional quarterfinals after a hard-fought series against Arlington Martin and other state-ranked teams. Mm-hmm. You got what you'd expect between two state-ranked teams, and that was really competitive baseball. All three games in this series, yes, it went the distance. All three games were decided by one run. One to zero, four to three, and three to two. Um, and Prosper actually had to work out of a uh, 0-1 series deficit in this one, winning games two and three. Um, obviously, uh, you look at game three, though, some clutch heroics there. They were actually down 2-1 to one heading into the bottom of the seventh, um, and there were two outs with two on base. They were able to score the tying run on an error, and then Jacob Deveni is the hero of the day. He comes through with an RBI single to walk it off and win the series. An odd note from this one, the team that had the higher hit total in all three games lost. <laughs> so Prosper does, yeah, and that includes Prosper losing one to zero in Game One. They lost Game One despite a one hitter from their pitcher Lucas Davenport. Um, so yeah, it was just that kind of series. But um, nevertheless, though, after Prosper kind of had their way with Hebron, getting right back into playing some uh, some real just tooth and nail defensive minded baseball to advance to the third round. And um, I don't really have a lean one way or another on Prosper Capel. Those are two great teams, and I would not be shocked if it went the distance once again. Yeah. And you mentioned Lake Dallas. That's what we're going to be playing this week. Yes, that'll be where the series takes place. Assuming that's you know weather cooperates <laughs> and whatnot, I would hesitate to give any uh, make any series information definitive because who knows how much of the uh, how much the weather is going to impact things later in the week. But you also have then on the other half of that bracket two teams from District Six Six A that have advanced to the third round, and that is uh, Marcus, district champion team we all expected to be this far. 
And then this Plano team, which has been one of the more just fun little stories to see a four seed kind of catching fire like this. They've had this, um, there's been this this little mojo that they've had working of late. Obviously, you know, you upset a district champion in the first round um, as a four seed. That's notable. But man, some of the spots that they had to work out of in this series against South Grand Prairie in the second round, I'm just going to like outline just some of the situations they were up against. So in game one of this series, they were down three to nothing heading into the seventh inning. They gave three runs in the bottom of the six. They get down to two outs in the top of the seventh. So one more out and game is over. They then proceed to score three runs in the top of the seventh to send it to extra innings. They wind up winning it in 10 on an RBI single from Troy Piesker. And then in game two, they're trailing once again, heading into the bottom of the seventh inning. And this time it is a Jason Hawkins two run home run to walk it off and win the series. So yeah, just, I mean, some incredible resolve and mental toughness shown by Plano, a team that, I mean, this isn't a team that's got a whole lot of, at least this group does not have much as far as skins on the wall, as far as playoff reps go for, I believe, all these kids. This is brand new for all of them. You know, this is a, a team that graduated, I think, all but like three or four kids from last season's team. Um, the team that, you know, obviously didn't get to even play a, a full season. So all this is just kind of, you know, just they don't know any better right now. They're just taking it in stride and just having a having a fun time with this all. And now they, uh, they run head on into a team that they've got plenty of familiarity with, obviously. And looking ahead to Plano versus Marcus specifically, you know, Marcus won that series two to zero, but both games weren't just runaways. You know, game one was actually four to three, um, and it was a it was a walk off finish that uh, Hunter Toplansky of Marcus was uh, was responsible for the walk off hit there in a game that Plano actually led three to one. Um, but then you know Tyler shot the other uh, the other half of Marcus's star studded uh, pitching duo, him and Tate uh, Tate Evans. Um, you know Tyler shot kind of hit his way with Plano in game two through a complete game shutout. So um, yeah, I mean Marcus is obviously the justified favorite in this game. They've won fourteen in a row. They're ranked in the state's top ten, and they're in as good a way as they've been in some time, but man, there's just some intangible qualities about this Plano team right now that who knows, maybe they make it a little bit closer than it might have looked, you know, if they were playing, you know, a few couple months ago and whatnot. But uh, yeah, just a, a fun little story when you see a, a four seed kind of get hot like this. It was cool a couple years ago when it happened to McKinney Boyd when they were a three seed and they were just taking down, you know, a you know, state-ranked teams left and right. Um, but, yes, Plano onto the third round in their first year under uh, head coach Rick Kramer. Not a bad little debut for Coach Kramer. Um, so, yes, we have uh, plenty of representation in District 6-6A still alive in the playoffs. And then over in District uh, 10-5A, like we said, you still got Lovejoy and Prosper Rock Hill. Those two teams are going to play head-to-head. And then you've got the Colony taking on Frisco-Wakeland. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that series just to give Devin a chance to kind of chime in and talk a little bit of a – Hi, Devin. <laughs> a little bit of a Wakeland. So, um, yeah, I mean, kind of sticking with that um, to deviate from 10-5A and talk the one team from 9-5A that's still standing. Um, I guess to, it being Wakeland shouldn't be much of a shock given what that program has done throughout the season. But um, nevertheless, Devin, just kind of outline what um, just what you've liked about Wakeland heading up to this point. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned Wakeland. It doesn't quite have the pedigree that some of the other programs that Wakeland have built over the last decade, mm-hmm. but they still have – not none of the current group. But, you know, this is their first time to the third round, though, since 2017 yeah. when they went to the state tournament. Um, you know they got they have good bats up and down the lineup, uh, but it's it's their pitching that st- stands out. You know they played four playoff games and they've allowed a total of three runs um, in those four games. Uh, that opening series because McKinney North was um, you know just two pitchers duel. They went there, but they found a way. They went two to one. They won three to two. You know they had their way a little bit with Carrollton Creekview. I think that was kind of expected last week. Yeah. Uh, but you know Robert Fort married Luke Robertson. That, that one two punch has just been 
incredible all season long. And then when you get to the later innings, you got to get a guy like Blake Sedatol who can come in and shut down, a, a, you know, pitch one or two innings to, to pick up the save at the end. And they've kind of ridden that formula through their successful district run um, through 9-5-A. And then obviously in the playoffs when pitching just takes on so much of a heightened importance. Um, Obviously, you know, they, they have another big challenge in the colony. Uh, really, it's to see what happens if they go to a game three, because that's when you start getting some creative. A lot of, you know, teams have their one-two rotations. Mm-hmm. But the other thing about Frisco is, um, or that Frisco district, is that because they have so many games, a lot of times they had to play three games in a week. So they were playing Tuesday, Friday, Saturday to play some catch-up. Like, some teams had to do due to quarantine. Some teams just had to do because that's the way the schedule was set up. So... Wakeland's been there before in terms of having to play three games. Now you get a little bit creative in district. So really curious to see if this one goes to a third game, how both teams handle the pitching situation. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Wakeland seems to be rolling at the right time. Four straight wins to start the playoffs. And like I say, back in the, back in the third round for the first time in four years. Kind of a similar case for the Colony then, David. I'm just talking about the Cougars and where they're at heading into this, uh, this pivotal matchup later this week. Well, it's the first time ever that they advanced to the third round of the playoffs. Yeah. So um, district champion versus district champion right here. And, you know, just like the, like Wakeland, you know, they they pretty much, you know, him handled their uh, area round series um, against Woodrow Wilson. They won the first game 8-1 to one and the second game 10 to nothing in five innings right there. So, um, you know, it's just like you said, talking about pitching right there, you know, the Colonies, you know, got two really good starters of its own right there. Um, obviously, you know, Ryan Scott, who's, you know, who also plays center field and is a Dallas Baptist commit, throws a, throws a complete game game one of this series and actually adds a three-round home run as part of, part of, that, part of that win as well, too. And then um, their, their ace right there, Devin, Devin Reyna, um, he, he comes in game two. And it's it, he, it's only a five inning game just because of the run rule, but uh, he he allows just one hit, strikes out three, and he only needed forty six pitches to get through there. So you know, very efficient right there. So um, you know, like in he gets backed up by five runs in the bottom of the first inning right there. So you know he you know it's pretty easy going from sailing for him from there they're on for the rest of the game. So um, it's going to be a fun matchup with these two pitch. These two, uh, uh, you know, pitching staffs in this uh, next third round of the playoffs, and and obviously, you know, the colony they got some hitters as well too. I mentioned Ryan Scott and you know Kate Irwin, who's who's their first baseman. He had five hits in this series against uh, Woodrow Wilson right there. So, and and they've also got some other hitters like Christian Matthews and Noah Oliveira, who had a b- pretty big hit in that series as well too. Um, uh, obviously, Andrew Lovato, their first baseman right there. So it's going to be a really good series. I'm looking forward to it. And then over in the other half, like I mentioned. You have Lovejoy and Prosper Rock Hill, two teams from District 10 5A. Um, you know, Lovejoy coming into this one, their defense has been really hot, just 1.7 runs allowed over the last seven games. Um, and they had to really, they had to kind of grind out their uh, their spot in the regional quarterfinals. They had to tough out a 2-0 victory over Hillcrest in the uh, in the last round. And this was the, uh, the dreaded one-game playoff, which is, I'm guessing Hillcrest was who lobbied for this because Hillcrest has quite the, uh, quite the arm to rely on in the case of a one-game series. And this was Kyle Prager, a Texas A&M commit and a potential MLB prospect. Um, you know, and if, again, if that's if you're going to throw, if you're going to rest your season on one kind of pitcher in a one-game series, then um, yeah, that's not a bad place to start. So obviously, yes, that made this one quite close. Um, Lovejoy was able to then scratch across a couple runs in the sixth inning, RBIs from Colby Branch and Aiden Smith to avoid the upset in advance to the third round. And they got a Rock Hill team that they um, they kind of had their way with in the first meeting during the regular season. 
eight to two. The second game, though, uh, much much closer, uh, two to one in a game that went eleven innings. Um, notable thing about that, though, is that Lovejoy threw the same starter in both meetings, Adam Eschler. So Rock Hill has not seen the um, the pitcher who um, threw on uh, on Friday against uh, against Hillcrest and has been their game one starter for each round of the postseason. That being Brant Corley. So. Curious to see just how that impacts things. If that maybe gives Lovejoy a bit of an edge heading into that uh, that first uh, that first matchup later this week. But um, yeah, Rock Hill, first time ever as a as a varsity program already in the third round of the playoffs. Heck, their softball teams in the fourth round. Let's see, we can look at before we shift gears to softball. We can kick it back to six A. Talk a little region two because we got sexy still hanging around I was there. Say, don't don't pass me over. And go to go straight to softball. Just yet. No, no, uh, I, because I need to catch my breath because I'm about to talk for a long time after yeah. this. So let's see, Devin. So yes, yeah, sexy there able to now punch their ticket to the third round, and they've got a, a credentialed Rockwall Heath program waiting. Um, but yeah, this this it was a pretty entertaining series against Belton over the weekend, so I'm um, just talking a bit about them advancing and uh, how the Mustangs are looking heading into the third round. Yeah, you know, uh, from 2007 to 2019, Sexy's been in basically a perennial playoff team. They made 11 playoff appearances in 13 seasons, but never made it past the second round. So this was history um, on, on Saturday, um, making it to regional quarterfinals for the, for the first time. And you, and you mentioned uh, uh, you know the Rockwell Heath team with some uh, some teeth on the on the horizon. Well, they played a state ranked Belton team that was twenty five three and one coming into the into the series yeah. and uh, went to Belton on Thursday night and, and took game one. Uh, they came back and, and Saturday with a chance to close it out. Uh, Belton, you know, got him two to one that set the stage for a winner take all. And uh, Saxy, you know, dominated. It was that eleven to two was the final. Uh, their their pitching depth showed. Uh, Belton didn't really have that third guy that we kind of talked about. I alluded to earlier. Uh, Saxy scores in every inning from the second through the sixth. Uh, you know, they're not a they're not a flashy team. They, they they manufacture runs. They don't have a lot of power. They don't have a lot. But almost every time they got a base runner on, they were bunting, trying to bunt to advance the runner. It didn't matter if it was their cleanup hitter. If it didn't matter if it was their number nine hitter. It didn't matter if the leadoff spot. They're always trying to advance runs, and it put the pressure on Belton a little bit defensively once they got base runners on, and, and they were able to put together some good rallies. Uh, they got a huge start from Jason Scranton. Uh, who's been used a lot as a closer this year. In fact, he closed, he struck out the side on, in game one on Thursday. But he goes he, he went five strong innings. Ryan Ochoa uh, comes on for the final two. But, um, you know, like I said, uh, I, I mentioned the offense. You know, Jet Creel and Davis T at the top of that lineup. And then you just got uh, you, Jesse Ponce, Harper Howard, Chris Marcellus, Kyle Standers. Justin Kirby, Alex Rangel. I mentioned all those guys because they all had hits at some point in time during this series. But uh, I think the pitching depth is what really gives Saxe a chance. Uh, Carson Sowell started the first game in both series. Uh, Justin Mascoro came on in relief, giving good effort. Nathan Darden um, has pitched game two in both. Um, and obviously I mentioned uh, Jason Scranton. But they've played five games now in the playoffs, and they've given up a total of ten runs using six, five different pitchers. So they have some depth. And – you know, it's it's a, Saxy was flying under the, the radar, but for good reason because they were one and six to start the season, and they had a losing record going into the second half of district play, and then they end up winning seven straight during the second half of nine six a. They're the only team to beat Wiley, a Wiley team that's still alive in the playoffs as well. Um, so this, you know, they, they turned things around. Obviously, won eleven out of twelve. Uh, they got a good Rockwell Heath team coming up, uh, who's been state ranked for much of the year. Uh, they had thirty wins overall. They've won four straight since a two to one loss to Rowlett in their playoff opener. But this Saxy team is is not going to back down. They just stared a state ranked opponent in the face and uh, and were able to beat them. So they're playing with a lot of confidence. Like I say, it's I think it's going to be a fun series, and I think it's going to go three. 
So then as we look ahead to softball, um, first off, if you're tired of hearing my voice, I have some <coughs> bad news for you because we have four softball teams left to talk about, and they all apply to my coverage area. So, yeah, uh, Devin, David, please uh, be on standby. Have the smelling salts ready in case I pass out during this. But just going to recap then some of the notes um, for the softball teams that we still have kicking around, and that is uh, a look at Prosper, who was able to take care of its series against Denton Geyer. Um, you know, Geyer was uh, – you know, Prosper's lost just two games, I think, since district – began all the way back, you know, a couple months ago. One was to Allen and one was to Geyer. Geyer was able to get the first round. and um, But since then, I mean, Prosper really did kind of control this series. Um, and they uh, once again did so. And they're actually able to sweep the series, sweep Geyer away in one of a, uh, in a very highly anticipated third-round matchup to book its spot in the regional semifinals as Prosper just keeps on rolling. And we're, um, let's see, and then you have this Flower Mound team that this was the series that was of, of, of interest to me mostly last week. And um, I was able to attend two of these three games their series against Allen. This was a, uh, a very... Game one, at least, was very, very unique in the sense that it spanned two days. There was, of all things, you know, we've seen all sorts of delays and reasons for games getting postponed. There was a light outage at Flower Mounds Ballpark that, um, that forced play to be halted um, heading into the sixth inning, and they decided to just pick it up the following day at noon. And um, this was a game that actually wound up going into extra innings, won by Allen, 5-3. to three. Sammy Hood, the hero in this one, with a go-ahead home run in the eighth inning. So you wonder, you know, if you lose, ga- lose, you know, lose game one, then you got to turn around around later that let's at uh, that same night and play game two if there's any sort of mental hangover from that no actually fireman looks amazing in this one they won game two 10 to nothing and one hit allen so that uh, the short-term memory or whatever uh, you know entry from the sports cliche rolodex you want to apply there they um they were able to roll in game two and tie this series up and then that sets uh, set the stage for game three and another one that requires extra innings this one though goes the way of fireman as they're able to come through with some clutch heroics there in the eighth to win three to one. Um, the uh, the heroes in this one, McKenna Andrews, she had a triple to lead off the eighth inning. She later scores on a Jordan Holland ground out. And then, you know, one of the more uh, you know kind of pivotal moments of the entire series was the at-bat from Carson Lee, who hadn't played at all in the series leading up to this moment. She actually hadn't even practiced all week because she was actually out with what um, head coach Mark Lariba said was a double ear infection. So they just had her used just in a pinch hitting capacity in this uh, in game three. She was able to give them two at bats and then the latter of the two, she was able to hit a uh, an RBI single to get an insurance run and they end up winning three to one. So a cool little story there for Carson Lee able to come through in a very, very clutch moment to help Flyer Mount advance. The things about this Flyer Mount team that have really just intrigued me is a uh, been falling throughout the season was a the short game i i have not seen a team yet in our coverage area that is, is so effective at just bunting the bunting you into submission i mean they are so r- ruthlessly efficient in the job that they do laying down these bunts they sometimes there are bunts in game one where they just they generate no movement on the ball and it just puts the defense in so many just back-breaking predicaments and um it really hamstrung allen for a little bit there i mean there are times well heck they'll bunt on like four or five consecutive at bats if they have to they're just so effective at it and um you know that except for the fact that they don't have, you know, a ton of power. They've got players that can, you know, that can obviously hit it long, like McKenna Andrews, Katie Cantrell, and whatnot. And then also you're seeing in these series that go the distance, the benefits of their pitching staff and the ability to basically use two pitchers in a sport where oftentimes you see one arm kind of dominate a, a series. But the fact that they can turn to Landry Harris and Abigail Jennings and really not miss a beat, and especially when you get into these, like in game two, they'll just rotate between them. They'll have 
have one for one inning. They'll have, you know, they'll start with Harris and then Jennings comes in and she throws the next two or three. They'll bring Harris back for a couple outs and they'll put Jennings back in, have her go a couple outs. I mean, there's times where they'll like, they'll legit start the inning with one, go to the other, and then go back to the other one in the same inning. They're just so creative in how they use them and whether it's, you know, kind of schematically based on what juncture of the lineup you're going up against or certain hitters and whatnot, but they've just, you're seeing the uh, kind of winning that battle of attrition and just being able to call upon these uh, these two just elite arms for just sophomores too. So they got a couple more years of this, and um, and they've it's really been a nice little uh, you know ace up the uh, ace up the sleeve that they've had so far, and it's notable because this series against Allen was the second time this postseason that they've actually been down in a series 0 to one. Because remember, they lost game one in the opening round against McKinney Boyd as well, and I say that to say this. Their series coming up later this week against South Lake Carroll is the dreaded one gamer. I'm guessing South Lake Carroll was the one who lobbied for that and whatnot. But um, so yes, we'll see how they approach that if they do just go just you know throw the kitchen sink out and just use Harris and Jennings rotate them as they have been when uh, when push comes to shove in these uh, these games two and three. Um, but yes, Flower Mound they're headed to the fourth round and then over in five A. You've got Lovejoy and Rock Hill. So, yeah, we have, uh, you know, both baseball and softball teams that I guess what prosper Lovejoy and prosper Rock Hill all still standing. Uh, Lovejoy is able to punch its ticket by virtue of a two game sweep over Frisco Heritage. This one included an absolute marathon (laughs) of a game two that went 11 innings, a combined 23 hits between the Lady Leopards and the Lady Coyotes. Heritage started hot. Lovejoy kind of chips away there. And then they eventually tie it in the bottom of the seventh on a wild pitch to score Emma Brittlestone. And then those eight, the eight through eleventh innings, you just got teams getting out of jam after jam after jam, and then finally Lovejoy is able to uh, to break the seal, score that winning run. Skylar Rucker, the hero in this one, she scores a winning run on a uh, let's see after Sydney Bardwell was able to put a ball in place. So Lovejoy, they move on to the fourth round, and so does Rock Hill, another team that's uh, like the baseball team. This is their first time going through this as well, first year in the playoffs, and they're now four rounds deep. They also were able to defeat a Frisco IS opponent sweeping Frisco Memorial by scores of 6-2, 7-1. The big thing here was kind of the uh, the quote-unquote big inning was um, was very big for Rock Hill in this. In game one, they scored five runs in the top of the fifth in a 6-2 victory. And then in game two, they scored six runs in the bottom of the sixth in a 7-1 victory. Um, and you just kind of look through and just kind of find like, okay, well, is there any one part of the lineup that kind of dominated this that really keyed those surges? No, they're pretty balanced all the way across the board. Even, I mean, the bottom third of the order. Crystalline Lee, Camilla Springs, Emily Alvarez, they hit 333 for the series, three RBIs. Um, so yeah, to get that kind of balance up and down the lineup, obviously very timely at this juncture of the postseason. They've used two pitchers. So again, another team that has that luxury being able to throw out two arms and Taylor Hagen and Grace Burledge. They combined for 19 strikeouts and only one earned run. So Rock Hill in a very good way heading into this series up against Hallsville. Um, Lovejoy plays Sulphur Springs. If they win, hey, we might get an all 10 5 regional final. If that were the case, um, just noting that those two, Lovejoy and Rock Hill, they split their regular season series. So, um, yeah, we'll see. But they got to get past the uh, the fourth round as well. And then I wanted to close with a note, um, deviating away from the UIL uh, diamond and looking at the uh, the TAPS 
state tournament in softball because, uh, guys, we had a state champion ground in our coverage area. Uh, John Paul II got it done. The first time in program history, the Lady Cardinals were able to win a state championship. They closed their season on a heck of a run, uh, 25-3-2 and overall. They did not lose a game over the final two months of the season. So whether that was heading into the postseason, whether all of a sudden, you know, a team that, again, because this was all new to them, this was not a team that had been to the state you know, semifinal round before and whatnot. So um, after a while there, obviously, though, they were in quite a groove. And, you know, we mentioned David last week talking about the the odd note that they had heading into the playoffs where they played Ursuline in district play and actually played to a scoreless tie, which, again, still trying to wrap my head around how that's actually – that's exactly – allowed in softball and whatnot, but those are the two teams that played in the state semifinals and whether it's just familiarity with that pitcher because Ursuline threw the same girl that they threw in the, uh, the scoreless tie, but um, John Paul was able to get 10 runs on 13 hits in the semifinals and they cruised to a 10-2 victory to punch their ticket to the state final, and man, you talk about a pressure pack situation, so in the finals against San Antonio Antonian, they grabbed the lead in the top of the seventh and um, it was Aubrey Hutzler who was able to get the uh, an RBI single and then a hit batter with the bases loaded scores another run. So that puts John Paul up 4-2 to two on uh, San Antonio Antonian. Um, and then heading to the bottom of the seventh, Antonian responds by loading up the bases with one out and a state championship hanging in the balance. So um, no pressure, right? No pressure at all. So uh, John Paul then, they turn to their pitcher, uh, Taylor Martian, and she is able to retire the next two batters to win a state championship. All tournament selections for Emily Jonti, Aubrey Hutzler, Taylor Marchin, and uh, Emma Rodriguez. And, um, and John Paul closes the deal in a pretty dramatic fashion to win the TAPS Division One state championship. And really a fitting cap to what's... I think on record is probably being the best athletics year that John Paul's ever had. This was um, this was the fourth team to advance to at least the state semifinal round of the playoffs. Boys basketball, boys soccer, girls soccer also did it. Um, so very fitting that softball is not able not only able to get that far, but then able to bring it home and uh, close the deal and win a state championship. So congrats to John Paul II on getting it done over the weekend down in Waco, winning a TAPS D1 state championship, and uh, that'll do it, guys. So that is a uh, that is all I've got in the tank um so we will see uh let's see so yes that'll uh, that'll wrap up this episode of the star local media high school sports podcast i hope we're back to talk about games next week who knows at we, this we, point we may, uh, this time uh next week we may still be trying to settle series as they file extensions to try to get games played don't yeah. remember didn't we have a couple of weeks ago that we had a couple series didn't wrap up till monday i think so so it's because, um, yeah, for those who have not seen the weather forecast, it is literally supposed to rain every single day this week. Now, we'll see, you know, to what extent that holds true, if there are any patches, you know, throughout the week where there's able to be enough room to get games and whatnot. But, yes, any schedule information you see subject to change is probably the best way to put it because, yes, everything very tentative with the way that the weather is shaping up this week. So we'll see you. Yeah, we'll see where we're at next week, though. But until then, folks, you take care. We will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. 
From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.